today about following the power. You know, one of the cool things about it is it's getting to be the holiday season, and with it being the holiday season, I thought I'd do a little decorating. So I hope you all don't mind, but I got these Christmas lights, and they're really, really cool, and I've got this Christmas tree, and I thought I would go ahead and decorate it. Um, the only thing, though, is I got these, and the, the bad thing about it is you cannot uh, see them very well, especially at night, and I don't know how everybody else does, and that's the way I decorate, um, just to let you know, because uh, you know who does all the decorating in our house, but I don't know why it doesn't look like that in the trees, in the, in the department stores. Any ideas why? Because there's no power. Hmm. So even in the darkness, because if you drive by my house at night and you saw this sitting in the middle of my yard, you wouldn't really notice anything because there was no power. Sometimes even like we as Christians, when we're going through the darkest time, when there's no power, we don't look any differently than the darkness around us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to shine our light. Isn't that correct? So it's kind of like when you're praying and you said, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just shine through me and that you would make me a difference. All of a sudden, things happen. And when things happen, we start to shine. We start to come alive. We start to set ourselves out apart. We become different than the surroundings beside us. Why do we like to go look at Christmas lights? Why? Because they're beautiful, they're attractive, they're, they're festive, they're joyous. Nobody's like, oh, I gotta go look at Christmas lights tonight. Why do we like doing that? We as a family, we love getting in the car, we get hot chocolate, we know the neighborhoods that we like to go around, we, we sing Christmas carols, and we enjoy that time. But we realize that if there was no power into this lighting, it would be just darkness. We'd be driving by a bunch of dark yards. So we're going to be talking today about following the, the power of the Holy Spirit. If you see my little analogy up there, we're going to be following the power. We're going to be looking at Acts 1.8. And this is what the Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And then you will be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So what this scripture is telling us is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive power for living. We need power to get through this world. We have power in this passage. It tells us to be a witness. It also gives us power how to pray, power how to perform miracles. And what it amounts to is to be to have the power that even Jesus had when he was performing his ministries, to do the things that he did, and even greater according to God's word. See, John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works. Man. You know, sometimes how you can just read a passage and you say, God... Am I seeing greater things than what Jesus did? And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to do the powerful things. We need the Holy Spirit just to survive in this world. 
there is a difficult world out there in case you, you haven't noticed it. In case you just woke up from a very, very long nap, there's a lot going on in our world today and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're taking notes, we need first, because I'm going to go through four note points real quickly. Power to live for Jesus. Power. Now, I don't know how many of you, but some people struggle in their Christian walk. I think any born-again believer wants to serve Christ 24-7, wants to, to be a witness, wants to believe, wants to see works, to, to read the Bible and see it in their life. But there's also times when we go through difficult seasons in our lives. It could, that season could be just a few hours in a day. It could be something that happened on a weekend. It could be an argument that you got into. It could be something at your work, your school. It could be in a relationship. And we know that we're not living for Christ. We know that that was fully flesh-driven. It could happen in a parking lot. It could be happening anywhere at all. But we know when we are walking in the flesh. Flesh being this, this spirit of ours because you know that we have a flesh and we have a spirit. And they're struggling. Whatever wins is what we're feeding. So if you are spending time in the word of God, if you are worshiping and you're seeking after God with all your heart, your spirit is going to grow. But if you do none of that, your flesh will always be available to you at the drop of a hat. It's easy to get angry. Did you know, and I learned this in the grieving process when my mom passed away, I started studying about grieving. And they said that anger is the first emotion that you feel after the grieving pass, uh, once grieving starts. You can be angry that that person has left. You can be angry at the way that they were treated at the end. You can be angry at family members that weren't there those last few months. But anger was the quickest emotion that we can tap into. Isn't that odd that anger, out of all the emotions, not joy, not peace, not happiness, I mean, I would be a little giggly like, <laughs> Uncle Herman died, <laughs> you know. No, not any of that. It's anger. <clears throat> Why is anger the quickest emotion for us to tap into? readily available for us at any time. Sometimes we even have trouble controlling our anger. Being angry is not a sin. What you do as you are angry can easily be a sin because your words can tear down. Your, your emotions, your actions can speak to people who are watching our lives. But many people struggle. They want to live a consistent life, but a part of it keeps them from doing so. Let's look at what Paul wrote. You see, I love Paul because Paul was very transparent. You, you know, when you read the writings of Paul, you get to see Paul's heart. He was a very transparent person. And this is what he wrote in Romans 7, starting at verse 15. He said, I don't realize what I am doing. I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. I'm just going to stop right there for a second. Has anybody ever had this experience? You know what you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to walk in love. You know you're supposed to be full of forgiveness. You know you're supposed to be the joy of Christ. You know that family members that are going to be gathering around your table should, are looking to you to be that example. And man, you're just ticked off. How dare they? They brought all 15 relatives and they brought a pack of Oreos and they expect us to share all this food. You know, there's just little things that can really irk you about your relatives. Maybe you don't, maybe you all have perfect relatives, but I've got some relatives that can irk me every once in a while. Not, not you guys. I mean, you, you're, you're cool. Okay. I'm talking relatives, you know. 
But have you ever had those people that just can, can irritate you? The first words out of their mouth is like, well, your house isn't looking any better, you know? I mean, just, just negative. Everything just is tearing down. And, con and, and you're like, God, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not doing it right now. And it really bothers me. And I think this is what Paul was saying. It says, I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, nothing good lives in my corrupt nature. What Paul is saying is, you know what? Without Christ, we are nothing. Okay, you could be the most attractive on the Hollywood A-list. You could be the wealthiest on Forbes' list. You can be the, 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 the coolest man in the world. Okay, but without Christ, you're nothing. Amen. We have to realize Christ in me is the hope of glory. All right, that's what the word of God says. So Paul is even saying nothing good resides in us. Nothing without Christ is going to get us into heaven. We're not going to get into heaven because of our looks or our behavior or our attitudes. It's Christ in us. And he says, although I have the desire to do what is right, I don't do it. Now this is Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you see this? So he's, we're seeing a glimpse of his character. I think Paul's having just one of these moments saying, you know, I've just blown so many things, but God. That's really this whole passage. I've done so many wrong things, but God. I am so evil inside, but God. I have offended so many people, but God. This is really Mark's version of this writing right now. And I think every one of us could put our names right into this whole thing and say, but God, but God, but God. I have offended people and I've asked for their forgiveness, but God has given me grace and mercy. I have done wrong things in my life, but God has forgiven me. I have not been the perfect man, but God has forgiven me. He has given me a wife who is so loving and so full of mercy. We're all sinners, but God who sent his son to redeem us. Verse 19, I don't do what, I don't do the good I want to. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. I take pleasure in God's standards in my inner being. However, I see a different standard at work throughout my body. It is at war with the standards my mind has set and tries to take me captive to sin standards which exist throughout my body. We gotta stop right here. What he's saying is, you know what? I live in a very sinful world. We live in a world that's very full of, of constant bombardment. That is trying to lure you away. Do you realize that everything in advertisement is to convince you that what you don't have isn't good enough right now? You need a new car. You need more clothes. You need better makeup. You need this. You need this. You need this designer. You need to smell better so that people will like you better. Do you realize this? They're constantly trying to tell you that you're not there yet, but their product will help get you there. A $5,000 purse is not going to make you any different. You know why? Because I can't tell the difference between a $5,000 purse and a $15 purse. See, Kristen will say, do you see that purse over there? That's a $5,000 purse. I'm like... It hangs on the shoulder like a $15. Now, cars, I know cars, okay? But guess what? Cars will still get you from point A to point B. A scooter will get you to the store. So will a Ferrari. Just faster, but it will still get you to the store. In style. In style. 
I got to get back to, okay, let's get back to the word here. Verse 24. What a, this is the real key to this whole passage right here, verse 24. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from my dying body? Verse 25, I thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ rescues me. Amen. So I am obedient to God's standards with my mind, but I am obedient to sin standards with my corrupt nature. Now thank God that Paul did not stop writing in verse 24. What a corrupt person we are. Who's going to rescue us? Wow. Your Bible would come with a box of tissues. <laughs> because it's like once you read Romans 7, 24, there's not much hope. But God, in verse 25, says, you know what? He rescues us. Christ rescues us. God sent a redemptive Savior to us. He doesn't leave us without the hope of victory in our lives. He concluded by saying in verse 25, thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ rescues me. He also tells us that the Holy Spirit gives us power to set us apart. Sometimes we don't feel very much apart. Sometimes we feel like that dark shrub before the light came on. Sometimes we don't feel any different in this world. You may be going through a season where it's been a while since God has heard your prayers and you've seen a manifestation of it. Or that your word, the time that you spend in the word has been dry and you're just not getting anything from it. You love coming to church on Sunday mornings. You love being around everyone else. But during the other days of the week, you're just kind of like coasting. And you want to be growing in God. You want to be impacting your world. You want to find your reason. You want to find your passion for Christ. This is what we long for. This is in each believer to understand why Christ created us so that we can serve him. Ephesians 5.18 tells us, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that's going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What it's saying is there's a lot of things in this world that's going to pull you down. What you need to choose is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Seeking God. Because nothing in this world is ever going to make you happy. In this situation, it just calls on drinking, being drunk with wine. But it could be the Ferrari. It could be the $5,000 purse. It could be having, being seen at certain parties. And as Hollywood has shown us over and over and over and over and over, it does not bring you happiness. I could put a list of all the Hollywood celebrities who have committed suicide, who has overdosed on drugs. Big list. Well-known names had everything going for them and decided to end their life because it was so horrible. Why? Because they chose to fill their life with things other than Christ. Last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you become saved, and you will make it to heaven. But there's more. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is more, and we need that more. You see, we are to witness with our lives. We all long for that time, man, when we have that great conversation with someone and we're able to lead them to Christ. The ideal situation would somebody come up to, to, to Stephen Cox, say, Stephen, tell me. How do I have what you have? How do I have that peace that you have? Randy, what, what makes you so comfortable in this situation when everything's going on around you? And we would love that opportunity to share Christ with them. But you know what? Before we ever get to those defining moments right there, they've been watching how we live. 
They've been watching what we say. They've been watching how we respond. And I think this is what Paul was saying in Romans 7. Look, I have messed up so many times, but God. The Holy Spirit in us helps us not to walk in the flesh as much and to walk more in the Spirit. To truly keep peace in a very chaotic situation. To truly speak hope when everything else seems despairing. What Kristen shared was that being positive is not just ignoring that there's horrible things in this world. It's recognizing that God's word is greater than that situation. Amen. It could be greater than that doctor's diagnosis. It could be greater than what the bank is trying to tell you right now. It can be greater than your situation and in, in, in your financials. Amen. That's staying positive in the spirit because we're studying God's word and we're realizing who we are in Christ. The inheritance that waits for us and who and what we have right now but we are to live our lives as witnesses because we do have people that watch. You know, I think this is kind of, might be a little realization, duh, moment to some of us. But we think that, we know that people talk about other people. And every once in a while, we contribute to that talking about other people a little ourselves. But we don't realize that people talk about us. Because we like us. There's nothing to write about us, but let me tell you about everyone else. Have you ever thought about that? That, that it's really easy to talk about other people. But we don't think that there's a group of people right now at Starbucks talking about us. No, that doesn't happen, Pastor Mark. Those people don't get together. I don't think there's ever been a word written on Facebook negative against me. And I'm going to say, what color is the sky in your world? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I love everybody. Everybody loves me. But let me tell you some of the faults of the people that I know. We're constantly being watched. We're constantly seeing how we respond. And are we reflecting Christ? If we're walking in the flesh, then we're no different than this world. If we're walking in the flesh, then this is what we look like. No different. Another shrub. But if we're walking with the Holy Spirit in us, this is how we should be standing out. This is the difference that we should be making in the world. The people are kind of attracted to us, even if the lights are sloppy on there. I know that's bothering some people right now. We want to get up here and professionally decorate this. And I did that just to irritate some of y'all. But you know what? Sometimes this is just the way God looks on us. And he's happy. And the tree's happy. Everybody's happy. But then there's like, well, you know what? You need to really do this, and you need to do this. And God loves when you do this, because all God wants us to do is to be a light. All God wants us to do is to share. The Great Commission did not have an expiration date. Amen. Okay? Some of us think that back in the early 1900s, that word went null and void. That we are to go and to make disciples. To teach other people about our relationship. But you know what? We have the internet now. And people are doing that on the internet. We, I don't need to go out and personally do that. I will put a great bumper sticker. And then I will get in front of people. I'll cut them off. So they'll notice my bumper sticker. And that's going to lead them to Christ, Pastor Mark. It's a hands-free evangelism movement that you're missing. He is watching. Yeah, give us a, give him a t-shirt. And then cut in line. <laughs> Danny liked that idea. Hey, t-shirt sales. Come see me. 
We are to be witnesses. Power to be witnesses. Acts 1, 8, the second part says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses. To empower, to transform our lives. Peter went from being a scared the night that Christ was being crucified, a schoolgirl is accusing him, and he's, he's denying Christ. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, he goes and he points his finger at 3,000 Jews and leads them to Christ. Scared, powerful, what happened in the middle? The upper room experience. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I think I figured out a formula here. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit empowered him from being scared and denying Christ to saying, the Christ that you crucified has risen and led 3,000 people that day. And the formation of the church began. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. It empowers us to be a witness. It empowers us. I used this analogy a couple years ago, but it's a phenomenal analogy and I love it so much. So I'm going to use it one more time. Statistics show that 95%, 95%, okay, you got this percentage in your head, of the SUVs that are produced in America never go off-road. Now, when they show you the commercial, man, they're going through the hills of Colorado. They're down on the beach of California. I live in Arlington. There are no hills and there's no beach. But I'm going to buy that $48,000 Jeep and just drive it from here to Pantego, Pantego to Dalworthing Gardens, Dalworthing Bar, back to Arlington. Maybe everyone's going down to Fort Worth, see the lights. I sure hope that statistics don't show that 95% of Christians never share their faith. Because what happens is an SUV is designed and engineered from the ground up to be able to go off-road. To be able to have the suspension to take, to give you the torque to climb when you need to climb. To help you slow down when you're going down an embankment. To take curves the way. And you know what? From deep down inside, we were all engineered to share and reflect Christ in our lives. But if we don't, then we're just like one of those 95% of the Jeeps that just ride on the road like the scooter. It was made for something and never used. Acts 1.8, then you will be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Power to pray. Romans 8.26 tells us that at the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. But the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. I don't know if you've ever gone through a season or in a season when praying is difficult. You sit down and your whole prayer lasts 30 seconds. And you're thinking, you know, I just think the greater prayer should be taking a little bit longer than 30 seconds. I have really no desire after I cover my basic needs to have any more conversation with God. That's why I encourage you sometimes just go for a walk with God and talk to him like you would your best friend. Tell him about the concerns. See, he already knows the secrets of your life so you can say the secrets of your life to him and say, Lord, I know that this is my weakness. I know that this is my strength. 
Help me to use my strength. Forgive me for the things that I've done, God. Would you give me wisdom in this situation? Because I think I'm blowing it every time I open my mouth to this person. See, those are very bold prayers. And I think God loves just having that one-on-one time with you. That one-on-one time when it's just you being open and talking to him as you would your best friend. When you start experiencing that, then all of a sudden you start seeing God moving. And all of a sudden you start looking forward more to those times that you get to spend with God. Instead of, I had to do that today because, well, that's what Christians do. See, if you're not having that prayer time with God and you're not seeing that, then your life is not equaling what you're seeing in the Word of God because you're seeing what stories that happened and prayers that were answered and miracles that were taking place, but it's not happening in our lives. So what happens is we get a little discouraged. We get disheartened. We're like, my prayers don't do anything for other people. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. I think that's one of the number one lies of the enemy is that you're not effective. Your prayer life is null and void. God doesn't care about you. These are all the list of lies of the enemy. Anytime Satan opens his mouth, it's a lie because he's the father of all lies. That's why we need the Holy Spirit because this passage is telling us that there are times we're not going to know how to pray a situation. There have been very difficult situations where I have prayed, God, I don't know how to pray. So I'm praying your will into this situation. Because I know I had my will, but I know that my will wasn't the best for that situation. Have you ever had somebody pray their will over your situation? You can tell when you're being manipulated in prayer. But when you say, God, your will be done. That's the true prayer life. That's how the Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, When a person speaks in another language, he doesn't speak to people but to God. And no one understands him, but his spirit is speaking mysteries. There's times you've got to start just praying, seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Because you know what? What's going on around you is greater than you right now in your flesh. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to watch Jeopardy. And I'll tell you what, there's more Jeopardy happening in your life than what's happening on television. Jude 120, and these two scriptures I shared last week. Dear friends, use your most holy faith to grow. Pray with the Holy Spirit's help. Third point is power to have signs follow. Mark 16 verses 15 and 17 says this, Then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Wow. I wonder what God's saying there. You know, I mean, I'm thinking that's really up for interpretation, don't you? Maybe all of us should share our verse and how we would interpret that. Hmm? I'll read it again. Thank you. Then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These are the miraculous signs that will accompany believers. They will use the power and authority of my name to force out demons out of people. They will speak with new languages. I'm not writing these passages. I'm sharing these passages with you to guide you towards that there is so much more in the Spirit. 
power to believe, power to have faith. You know what's really amazing is that there are brand new believers that can have a more powerful prayer life than people that have been saved their whole life. You know why? Because they have a childlike faith. They read it in the Bible and they start praying and believing it. Well, they don't know the way that it should be happening. You know, I think our Washington politics have gotten comfortable in the way things that should be happening. And there's an uprising in the people saying, we're not happy right now. Right. We're not happy with overspending. We're not happy with just go along with the crowd and vote and do this. We're ready for change. But you know what? I think inside the body of believers that we should be getting ready for change. We're not happy with just the way organized religion is leading us. We're seeing so much more in the Word of God that we're not experiencing in our churches. This Word is not being preached in pulpits. Well, we don't want to upset anybody. And look where it's got us. Yeah. Jesus upset a lot of people in his ministry. He loved, but he's still upset. Oh, but we, we, we can't say these things to certain people. Let me go back to that scripture. And then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. And he'll bring peace into our lives like no one has ever experienced before in their lives. They'll have power. I'm not talking about super Christianity here. I'm talking about normal people praying miraculous prayers. And you know what I've noticed? When I read through the New Testament, the majority of miracles, now this is going to rock some of your world, okay? So if you're going to wake up for two more seconds, this is the time. The majority of all the miracles that took place happened outside the church. You know what that's telling me is that believers got together, they were praying, they received, they got powered up, and then they went out and made a change. Our philosophy is let's bring them all in here and let Mark change them. Mark doesn't change anybody. God changes them. The Holy Spirit changes them. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings them to repentance. To say, I don't want this past. My past needs to be forgotten. It needs to be deleted. That's what happens when we ask Christ into our life. Our past is deleted. And it's no longer there. It can never be used against us in a court of law. It's like your record was clean completely. That's what happens when we receive Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we're supposed to be sharing. And when we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we seek this and you say, Pastor Mark, how do I get this? You know how you get this? You pray, you ask, you pray, you ask, you pray, you ask. You make time where you're just going to be alone and you go and ask God. Go for a long walk one evening. Just say, I need it. After last Sunday, Bill let me know that he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit over by, what was it, White Rock Lake? In the car. He goes, I'm driving along, all of a sudden the car just got foggy inside. And I pulled over, and he started to weep. And that's where he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, it didn't happen on a Sunday morning in front of everybody. That's what's just going to blow your theology away. It can happen in the evening. It can be happening while something's going on and you're just saying, God, I just want so much more of you. When your hunger for more of God is more than anything else that you hunger for, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's some things that might have to get out of your life first. There's some things you might need to straighten out with God. Ask for forgiveness. 
Ask for peace in that situation. But always be saying, I want so much more of you, God. I want so much more of you. If this baptism of the Holy Spirit is real like Pastor Marksman, then, then fill me with it right now, God. That's what I want. I want to be a light. I don't want to be dark. I want your power. I want your power to learn how to pray. I want your power to learn how to witness. I want your power to learn how to live this life where I'm not offending people just every day, but that they see just the consistency of Christ in me. None of us are perfect. And I'm going to tell you that once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you won't be perfect because you still have free will, whether you want to choose to walk with Christ, to live like Christ, to be Christ in your neighborhood, on your campus, in your workplace, in your family. That's the power that Christ brings. It's refreshing to know that Peter was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber. I'm going to challenge you. Look up Smith Wigglesworth. It's kind of a last name that you can kind of remember when you get home. And what this man's life and power that Christ did through him impacted a generation. And he was a plumber. I love when God uses the simple things to confound the wise. I truly do. It gives me hope. We have the ability to do greater things if we just hunger and thirst, if we tie into the power. And God desires this power to flow through us. God desires that we hunger and thirst after more of him than anything in this world. And there are so many distractions to try to pull you away from that. You know what, maybe you need to turn the TV off. Maybe you need to turn the radio off. Maybe you just need to get alone with God. Sometimes God moves in the silence. But seek his best gifts. Seek his spirit. Speak his, just seek it, ask for it. Would you all just bow your heads I normally lead you in the very similar prayer. I recognize pretty much everyone here today. But would you be bold enough to ask God to show you any area of your life that's keeping you from growing in Him right now? Would you ask Him, Father, is there something in my life that's not pleasing? Some of you probably already know those areas in your life. It could be something that you do. It could be someone you're with. It could be something that's happening that you're fully aware of. And if God is showing you that, would you ask for forgiveness? Probably the boldest prayer you could ever say is, God, I'd rather die than com continue that sin. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're looking in the book of Acts and you're studying Smith Wigglesworth, you're saying, I want that power. Would you ask God for that power? Ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no formula. 
You don't have to have people laying hands on you to do it. You can receive it alone in your car. You can receive it on a Sunday morning with us. You can receive it in your prayer time. But it is available for you if you ask and hunger and thirst after him more than anything else in this world. Let me speak a blessing over you as we close. Father, I thank you for the potential in this room. I thank you that you can challenge our hearts in such a loving way that you continually love us, you continually grow in us and help us to grow in you. Would you remove the distractions of this world, the attractions of this world, the detours of this world from our lives. And would you let us see you so clearly that we hunger and thirst more after you than anything else in this world. That we can comprehend the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be a witness, to pray, to live a life that's pleasing to you. And we know that the Holy Spirit can help us. Show us your ways, Lord. Have your word become alive to us. May our prayer time grow in eager expectation of the time we get to spend with you, to share with you the things that are on our heart, and then allow us to listen for your still small voice. I thank you, Father, for a body of believers that can believe that all things are possible, that nothing is greater than you, and that one day we will spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for being here today. We love you so very, very much. If you'll stand, I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so very, very much for coming today.